through the written word and the spoken word. God, help us to hear your living word, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why do we refuse to accept the liberation of our siblings? It's a strange thing, and yet it comes up often in our society. Much of this gospel passage centers on disbelief around a healing, which quickly turns to a challenge to accept the liberation of another. Why? Why do we refuse to accept the liberation of our siblings? Let's work through this gospel a bit at a time because there's a lot to unpack. First, nearly immediately, Jesus tells us that sin is not the cause of the man's blindness. Sin does not equal sickness, and sickness is not a sign of sin. For ages, Christians have blamed sickness on sin, and yet Jesus is right here saying that physical illness and disabilities are not a result of the sin of this man's parents or of himself. Jesus does not blame the man's disability on sin and makes this clear to those who might see an association. Jesus also does not say that healing only comes to those who have earned it. When sin and sickness are disconnected, it's much easier for healing and worthiness to become disconnected. Jesus acts in a way that assumes all are worthy. Everyone is beloved and deserves a life of flourishing. What Jesus does say is this, that the man's blindness creates an opportunity to witness to God. I would argue that there are a number of ways that we might witness God in this man's life. Today we hear from John about a miracle, a literal physical change, a healing, a gift of sight. Just as Jesus offers other miracles of healing and feeding, Jesus grants this man new sight through means we cannot quite explain. This story could also reveal Christ through a communal healing. The man's place in society is, be is changed because of the healing that Jesus grants him. Another miracle could be the community working to create opportunities for flourishing for this blind man. Opportunities for the man to truly belong in society. This second possibility for the witness of Christ is a systemic healing, one that we might be able to facilitate. This is a cultural cure. The physical shift of sight is hard to explain and to make sense of, but it's possible that the cultural shift might be the harder miracle to achieve, the harder witness to see. Let's be clear for a moment that many people with disabilities do not need or want a physical healing that makes them normal, but rather they seek the ability to live a life of dignity. That sort of healing gives witness to God as well. The response to the blind man's healing shows us exactly why this communal and systemic healing might be even more challenging for us. Jesus rubs mud on the man's eyes and sends him away to wash and to be granted sight. The response of the community is one of disbelief, not one of celebration. In fact, we hear religious leaders who would prefer to question the man's identity and refute his story rather than accept his healing. 
he must not have actually been born blind. Rather than accept and celebrate this liberation, they and we at times opt to erase the identity and the journey of this man. When the man gains his sight, he is given the chance to participate in society more fully. Rather than beg, he may choose to follow in the family's line of work or choose another vocation. His sight brings him back in from the marginalized position as a blind beggar. Of course, the folks who don't want to accept his new station in life as the result of this healing would never take responsibility for the ways that they marginalized him. I urge us to consider how we too fall into those patterns. The man could have been inclu included in society all along, but he was not. Instead, he was pushed aside because of a physical difference. When his liberation comes, uneasiness ensues. So I return to that question from the beginning of this sermon. Why is it so hard to accept the liberation of our siblings? Why do the religious authorities in our gospel passage argue about the man's healing? How is it possible? Who is responsible? Who is to blame? And did that sneaky Jesus have something to do with it? Sure, a piece of this is about a belief in Jesus and his healings. Believing in Jesus could result in expulsion from the synagogue. Yes, the unlikely nature of this healing is a real consideration. And I think the reason that it's troubling and difficult to believe is because Jesus comes as the great liberator who offers miracles that shift and question our social order. A belief in Jesus is hard for religious authorities because it shakes the ground beneath them and beneath the culture at large. It is Jesus' offer of liberation that is hard for people to accept, and even more so to celebrate. The gifts of liberation, of freedom, of opportunity, of healing, of autonomy, are all gifts that affect our social fabric, starting with our small individual relationships and stretching into our culture. And y'all, that sort of change is hard. Change is hard. It's hard enough that it can make us struggle to celebrate our siblings receiving these gifts. It can make the rising of another feel like it brings us down. It can feel like the growing liberation of another comes at a cost to us. It feels this way because we look at freedom and liberation like it's pie, like there are only a certain number of slices, and you bet I'm gonna get mine. But liberation is not limited. It is not finite. There is enough. The thing about Jesus is that he came to liberate and save us all. Not the shortlist, not just those of us with power and privilege, not just those of us at the center of society, not just those of us who are presently, and I would add temporarily, able-bodied. All of us. In Jesus, there is enough liberation, freedom, and healing for all. There is enough ground-breaking, chain-releasing, miraculous power of God for the whole world to be liberated and whole. And we're enough for that healing. 
We are worthy of lives that glorify God, that give witness to God. We are enough simply by our beloved and created nature. Last week, we heard about living water that grants eternal life. This water comes gushing forth without limit. Liberation through Jesus comes rushing forth as well. There is enough for us all. When we recognize that we can be liberated through Jesus, when we recognize that we are enough, we can create spaces where we not only accept the flourishing of our siblings, but we encourage it. We can create space for the blind man to flourish and be a full part of society before Jesus brings the mud. We can do our work in the healing of Jesus by healing our communities at large. We can grab the hand of the outcast and journey with them, make space for them, fight with them. When we find ourselves at the center, we know we have work to do. And when we find ourselves at the margins, we can be assured that Jesus is with us, that we are worthy, and that we are enough exactly as we are. Let's make this concrete. What does it mean to celebrate the liberation of our siblings? It means rejoicing in reparations that seek to heal generations of inequity. It means celebrating with people receiving necessary financial assistance that makes their very lives possible. It means cheering on the first-generation college graduate. It means welcoming the immigrant and refugee family and making space for the culture they bring with them. And if you find a moment of liberation in your own life, one that draws you into community and flourishing, I pray that you will boldly celebrate it. Even more than this, what does it mean to work alongside Jesus and bring liberation for our siblings? What does it mean to start the work before Jesus brings the mud? It means fighting for our transgender siblings to have the ability to live authentically. It means working for legislation that allows bodily autonomy for all. It means listening to people with disabilities to hear what flourishing looks like for them and to aid in their fight for it. It means making pathways for our siblings of color, particularly our black siblings, to equity and equal access. Our gospel passage today ends with a short invitation to belief and sight. I hear, it, hear this as the fullness of sight that is a belief in our great liberator. I also hear this as an invitation to truly see our siblings, to look for who isn't in the room, to seek them out, and to bring them in. When we immerse ourselves in the love of Jesus, we will come to a day when each and every liberation we witness is a celebration that glorifies God. May we believe that this is liberation enough. May we trust in our infinite God, our great and infinite liberator. Amen.